Hamlet Podcast, episode 147. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. This week's episode is a little bit short because we only have a few lines left of this scene and of this entire act. There are a few different versions of the text for this scene depending where you're reading it from, but they all make sense and contribute to the overall picture of events. I suppose, as usual, it's down to an individual production or reader to decide how it should be played. In one of the toughest but clearest examples of how a line of verse can be shared between two actors, something that has been happening consistently throughout this scene, Laertes picks up the second half of Gertrude's last line. As we discussed in the previous episode, Gertrude has been presenting a rather detailed, almost poetic description of Ophelia's last moments. Her speech ends with a phrase that stretches across four lines. In fact, the sentence runs over nine lines. Gertrude has been rambling, but Laertes cuts through the poetry back to the point. It sounds something like this. But long it could not be till that her garments, heavy with their drink, pulled the poor wretch from her melodious lay to muddy death. Alas, then, she is drowned. Naturally, an actor has the right to pause or wait or reflect on all of this information before he completes that line. But there's definitely something to be explored. Before this watery description of the whole sad affair, Gertrude told us expressly that Ophelia was drowned. Laertes repeated the word. Now he cuts right back in as if stuck on this idea alone, asking as if he can't believe it's possible. Alas, then, she is drowned. The folio and one of the quartos phrase it as a question. Alas, then, is she drowned? But to me it feels like there's a little more ambiguity in the other word order. Gertrude leaves no doubt, though. She answers and confirms it twice more. Drowned. Drowned. Laertes now shows his more vulnerable side. Too much of water hast thou, poor Ophelia, and therefore I forbid my tears. But yet it is our trick, nature her custom holds. Let shame say what it will. When these are gone, the woman will be out. Adieu, my lord. I have a speech of fire that fain would blaze, but that this folly drowns it. Laertes is trying not to cry. As he puts it, quite ironically, Ophelia has already had too much water, as indeed has the end of this scene after Gertrude's expansive description, so tears really feel like they won't be necessary. Therefore, he attempts to forbid his tears. But it is only human, our trick, to cry, and he weeps for the death of his sister. Nature holds her custom, he says, and he doesn't care if other people think it shameful for him to cry. Let shame say what it will, he says. In a highly gendered society like the one in which Shakespeare wrote this play, manly and womanly behaviour were often very defined. It was certainly not considered manly to weep in public. If you look at the concordance to Shakespeare, nearly half the entries for the word womanish are connected directly to the word tears. Reading King Lear yesterday for the book club, there was a line from the king there too. 
touch me with noble anger, and let not women's weapons, water drops, stain my man's cheeks. Tears, clearly, were for women alone. But Laertes isn't bothered. The loss of a sister far outweighs any shame of what people might think. His next line seems to combat this possible shame. When these are gone, the woman will be out. When his tears are gone, or spent, any such womanly characteristics will be gone from him too. Even if they are women's weapons, he will shed his tears for his sister, and then that noble anger will be all he has left. He excuses himself, whether to go and cry or to prepare himself for what he'll do next. Adieu, my lord, he says. I have a speech of fire that fain would blaze, but that this folly drowns it. His anger is recharged, and he would have plenty of angry, fiery words to say if he weren't overcome with the madness of his sister's early death. Some versions of the text say doubts, or even douses here instead of drowns, but in this I like the version from the second quarto that says drowns. There's a neatness to this reusing of the word, and it's a smart contrast to the blazing fire of his anger. Maybe Hamlet himself wouldn't be as neat, but it is smart enough, I think, for Laertes. He exits, and Claudius worries that he's back to square one, and he'll have to work twice as hard now to keep Laertes on side. Let's follow, Gertrude. How much I had to do to calm his rage. Now fear I this will give its start again. Therefore, let's follow. After all of his careful talk and his manipulation, calming the younger man's rage about his father's death, it seems that it's been fully recharged now with this news of his sister. Laertes is little more than a pawn for Claudius, as we will see, but for now, the king and queen follow him off the stage. This brings us to the end of Act 4, and amazingly it means that we've only one more act of the play, only two more scenes, before we reach the end. Next week there'll be a bonus episode, and a rather special one I think, so do be sure to stay subscribed, or sign up if you haven't already. If you've missed any episodes, whether of the main podcast, the book club, the bonus episodes, or indeed our series on the basics, you can find details for all of them clearly laid out on the website, thehamletpodcast.com. Thank you, as always, for joining me, and I'll speak to you next time.